0: Welcome to Literally Nothing Matters podcast, where your new besties, Amanda and Caitlin, will chat openly about everything that no one is talking about, but everyone is secretly thinking. Together, we will debunk wellness trends, navigate relationships, and begin the journey to become the best versions of ourselves. At the end of the day, just remember literally nothing matters. So grab your favorite beverage and meet us every Monday for our weekly date. Wait, did we just become best friends? Yep.
1: Today's guest coaches women to know, grow, and love their money, to make the money they are destined for and build their dream life. You can think of her as your new financial BFF. She'll empower you to reach your full financial potential through leaving behind your limiting money beliefs paying off debt, building up savings, uncovering the root cause of your impulse shopping and overspending, and growing your financial self-confidence. She spent her 20s going from a financial hot mess to financial success and Mm -hmm. establishing a solid financial future to build upon. You may have seen her on Fox Business, U.S. News and World Report, NBC News, Daily Mail, The Skim, Dr. Phil, Buzzfeed, and more. She is a certified life coach and financial guru, has an MBA in marketing and finance from the University of Michigan, and is the host of the Money Love Podcast. Welcome to Literally Nothing Matters, Paige Pritchard.
0: Thank Woo! you for having me. Thanks, ladies. That was quite the intro. How
1: <laughs> <Not> all <laughs> you. You're impressive.
0: Seriously. Thank you. So I'm excited out. to be here with y'all.
2: And also just- when I was reading out, your bio. I was- Go ahead, Amanda. No, 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 no you go. I was just saying, when I was reading your bio, I was getting excited. I was like, I'm definitely bringing my paper and
1: pen for this one. So I can mm. just down notes from you. Good, good, good yes yeah, I, feel I know like honestly everyone take a minute right now as you're listening grab a pad of paper and a pen because you're gonna want to take some notes
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we were talking about before we hopped on and started recording we were talking about Taylor Swift this probably won't be like the most like entertaining episode you've ever listened to but you will absolutely learn something so there you go <laughs> bring a little flavor into it it's yeah fine. yeah
1: <laughs> no and I feel like this is coming at the most perfect time because this is the season of yeah. overspending mm-hmm. but speaking of Taylor I think that you would be proud of both of us that neither one of us spent like an entire paycheck on a Taylor Swift tickets no shade if you did
0: because I'm sure it was worth it but gold you know what's so we funny <laughs> in, in yeah theaters. yeah well that that that's fair but like what's so funny is like I have a community and you know, like we have a Facebook group and everyone's always in there posting. And I cannot even tell you like the amount of women in my community who like go into the Facebook group and they're like, "I'm so proud of myself. I went to go see the Taylor Swift movie and I didn't buy like I, there was like a popcorn bucket or I I, I don't know like a sweatshirt <laughs> or something like yeah. that like I, I don't know some definitely was the popcorn shirt or like whatever right. And I I just can't even tell you like the amount of Taylor Swift memorabilia <laughs> that people were like so proud of themselves for like not just going out. And like impulsively buying because it's not cheap right I mean from what I've heard so listen it counts right it sure does I did buy
1: the popcorn bucket okay okay Uh, okay 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 you know what I it's an investment (laughs) in my family so now we'll have just a ball and popcorn bucket
0: until the end of time there you go just get get a lot of use out of it and you're fine
2: she was like, this is going to be my kid's throw up bucket. It's going to be like, Amanda, you are really thinking into the future with this, but she has plans for it. So that, it's, that's it's quite
0: fun. the throw up bucket. I'm jealous. <laughs> Mine was like a crusty old, like blue, like Tupperware that was like from the 1960s yeah. when I was a kid. So <laughs> yep. the fact that your kids are going to have like a Taylor Swift throw up <laughs> bucket, like that's, that's amazing. I'm
1: providing. <laughs> I'm providing. There are different you ways are. you can provide. And that is a solid way. I also love that. Like, this is a core part of your childhood memories, right? Oh, like, the, I, I feel, feel like all we have... all have a throw up
0: bucket. It's like, you remember your throw up bucket. Yes. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <sighs> I don't know how we got here, but um, let's backtrack a bit and let's start with your own personal story. Tell us about yeah. how you went from being a quote unquote, financial hot mess in your 20s to like helping thousands of women with their finances.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So really my kind of financial journey started right after I graduated from college. And I feel like that's where most of us starts because it's like you come into the real world and you start making real money. And I know this isn't the case for everyone, but I feel like for a lot of us, we all have a very common shared experience of like, you start making money in the real world and you're like, what do I do with this? (laughs) I, I don't know what to do with this money. Like I literally just graduated from college. I haven't had more than like $50 on my checking account at any point in time. And for me, when I graduated from college, my first job out of school, kind of weirdly, it was a really weird job, was I went and I worked at a car dealership and I sold cars, I sold Cadillacs. And I did that because the dealership that I went to go work at was gonna pay me $60,000 a year and they were gonna give me a Cadillac to drive, which at 22, I was like, Sign me up. <laughs> like I'm there. Right. So, um, started that job. And I decided that I was going to move back home with my parents because I was also in $40,000 of student loan debt, which I feel like also a lot of women our age, like millennials, Gen Z, can relate to coming out of college, being strapped with student loans. And so, I was like, okay, I'm going to live at home for a year. I'm going to make a lot of progress. I'm going to get a big chunk of these loans paid off. I'm going to save up a lot of money. And essentially that was like the opposite of what ended up happening that year. I remember like going up to the mall and blowing my entire first paycheck on a new wardrobe. And, but I was, I was okay with it because I was like, listen, I don't have any work clothes. I need to like show up and, you know, put my best foot forward and look professional. So I ended up blowing my entire first paycheck on a new corporate wardrobe and was like, that's it. But that first shopping trip really kind of like opened up like what I call kind of like my spending vein. And also during that time I was going just, I was just going through a lot, like going from having your independence to moving back in with your parents I really missed my friends from college. Me and my college boyfriend had broken up. And I quickly realized that I hated selling cars. I was like, this is terrible. I hate this. So almost every single day, my escape from the dealership and also just kind of life really was like, I would go up to the mall and I would shop. And it was not uncommon for me to just like on my lunch break, stroll into Nordstrom's, J. Crew, Banana Republic, and just drop like $500 on my lunch break. Boom. Like no problem. And doing that multiple times a week for an entire year, I got to the end of that year and my parents were like, okay, it's time for you to go, time for you to move out. And I couldn't even afford a security deposit on an apartment to move out. And my parents are looking at me like, what do you mean you can't move out? Like you've had no expenses for the past year because we've covered like you just living here covers a lot of the expenses that you typically have to worry about. And then, like I said, work covered a lot. My car, my insurance, my gas, my cell phone. So I got to the end of that year. I had made no progress on my student loans. I had saved up nothing. My entire salary was in my closet. And that was really the moment where I was like, something's got to change or else I'm just going to be broke for the rest of my life. And I will say like, I do feel very lucky that I had my quote unquote wake up moment at such a young age because, you know, I was 23 at the time. And I just want to say like, regardless of how old you are listening to this, maybe you're 33, 43. And you're like, well, that's great for you, Paige, that that clicked for you at 23, but I'm 33, 43. And it's just now clicking for me. And I just want to say like, it's never too late. Like the important thing is that, you're here now. And it's like, all we can do is move forward. But when I started to, I mean, at that, at that point, I I actually realized like, I am a full-blown compulsive shopper. Like it had moved beyond like, Oh, I just like to shop to This was actually like a compulsion that I had of like, I have to shop. I have to spend money. I have to be buying things. It's like, I don't even care what I'm buying. I just need to be spending money and I need to be buying something because like the rush and the euphoria and like the dopamine that I would get from it, which again, it was my coping mechanism. So when I started to look for solutions of like, well, how do I deal with this? All I could find was like a bunch of advice from a bunch of old white guys that were like, stop going to Starbucks, unsubscribe from emails. (laughs) And I mean, social media wasn't really a thing at the time. Like we had, um, we had like YouTube, but that was like pretty much it. So, but still it was like, just don't watch YouTube. And it it was, it was basically like, just manipulate your external environment. Just lit like wrap yourself in bubble wrap, live in a bubble. Don't ever go to target. And I was just like, first of all, that's not realistic. I can't live my life this way. Like it's not realistic to say that I'm never going to go to target again. I'm never going to get an email again. And also too, I'm like, what you also don't understand is like you telling me to delete my credit card autofill doesn't help me because I know my credit cards by heart, or like I don't even need to be getting the email because like I'm just going to go up to the store. So I started kind of being like, this advice sucks. It's not helpful. It's only addressing my external environment, it's not really helping me address like internally what's going on from like a mindset perspective, an emotional perspective. So to kind of cut to the chase and make a long story short, like over the next decade, I kind of set out to really kind of like teach myself everything I could about both sides of money. I kind of call it like the masculine and the feminine. I really dove into a lot of the masculine stuff. So when you're thinking like masculine with money, you're thinking like the numbers, the math, the black and white, the budgeting, the plan, the roadmap. And that is important, right? Of course. But I feel like in the finance space, that's all you get. Like, that's it. It's just like, how, 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 how to budget, how to raise your credit score, how to negotiate a raise, how to get out of debt. But there's all this other stuff that's happening underneath the surface of the water, which we can kind of dive into and talk about like your mindset, like your emotions um, that I really felt was the missing component, which is why I kind of also dove into that, which I kind of refer to as like the more feminine side of money. And I feel like that's the missing component for so many of us. And so if you're listening to this and you kind of identify as somebody who you're like, I'm not a money person, I'm not good with money. It's not that you're not good with money. It's just that you've only probably addressed the one most obvious, like masculine side of money. You haven't really dove into and looked at everything that's like underneath the surface of the water. So we can kind of talk about that, but that's kind of how overcoming overspending came to be. And I'll say that like, When I first started talking about money, I was talking about anything and everything. I started my Instagram page probably like six years ago. And I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk about anything related to money. Because by that point, um, I had married my husband. He had a bunch of student loan debt, but we had paid off all of our student loan debt. We started saving, we bought a home, completely kind of turned around our financial situation. So I created an Instagram page just to be like, I'm just going to start talking about what we've done and maybe people will be interested. I had no idea people were actually going to tune in and have, you know, care at all about what I had to say, but they did but i would say it was about 3 years ago there was one topic that just kept coming up and up and up and up again 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 which was this spending piece the shopping piece but it was all happening in secret like it would be like people would come to my dms or they would come into my email they would never like comment openly right it was always like in secret in the cracks being like hey i'm in 10,000 dollars worth of credit card debt because of overspending or i have this debt that my husband doesn't know about or you know, I, I, I think that I'm addicted to shopping. Like I think that I'm addicted to buying things and consumption. And I will say that just with like three things, it's like the rise in technology, like Amazon in the last five years, think about how easy it is to shop now with social media. Social media is like the second of the three that I think has spurred so much shopping. And then the third was the pandemic. And so I think between those three things, it really just kind of created like this perfect storm. And I think this has always been an issue for people, but not at the level like it's been today. And so that was when I was like, okay, somebody has got to talk about this because no one is. And as I know from my own personal experience, there's no answers. There's no solutions. All the solutions out there suck. They don't work. So if I have to be the person that goes through the brick wall and shares my story and shares my background and actually gives people solutions to solve this problem, I will do it. And that's when I started overcoming overspending. I love that. That was a really long answer to your question. This is what (laughs) we want. (laughs) No, but
1: one very Carrie Bradshaw of you. I like my money where I can see it hanging in my closet.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yep, Yep. Yep. We
1: were raised by someone with really bad money habits. Okay. Um, me and Carrie Bradshaw, not around. Yeah, house, no shade. So <laughs> um, no, but I feel like the piece where you were saying that everything it was talked about in um, oh, my God, behind the scenes, like DMS, yeah. emails, like in private, that was the word I was looking for. Um, because that is the whole reason why we started this podcast, where all of these things that we think we're the only ones dealing with, whether it's money, unwanted chin hairs once you turn 32, and like stuff like that. That's how we make change and connect is by talking about it. So I'm really excited to continue this conversation. Um, Let's start with that overspending piece. I feel like we're in that season of just shopping, shopping, shopping. And like with social media, it's so much worse because every influencer ever is coming out with gift guides. And now TikTok has like the direct links to the TikTok shop. Like it's just easier than ever. Um, and that's actually exactly how I found you. I stumbled upon one of your de-influencing TikToks mm. and was just like instantly like save. And I'm watching every single video <laughs> from this <laughs> playlist awesome. because we all need this. Um, so can you help us like navigate the influx of this pressure to just spend spend, spend?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. I, I talked about this. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. I do, I do, well, I do a lot of videos on TikTok, but I always do a de-influencing video once a week, just de-influencing on like various things and various topics. But the one I recently did was de-influencing holiday edition. And what I say in that video, which I think this is just really helpful to know is like the retailers and the marketers actually have a name for us this time of year. And by us, I mean like consumers, they call us the end of year consumer, which is the consumer that's basically in like November and December. And it's the consumer that to your point, it's kind of like, it's coming from all angles. And there's kind of like this perfect storm happening where there's so many deals, there's so many sales, there's so much to buy so much to do, but also we're in the mindset. We're kind of like in what I call like the screw it mindset where we're like, screw it. Like, I don't care what I spend. I don't care what I eat. I don't care what I drink. I don't care. Like we're just in this mindset, like the last part of the month, we're like, I'm going to do what I want for the next 60 days. And then come the new year, I will clean all this up and I will deal with this problem. Right. And so they absolutely know that that's the mindset that most of us are in. And they use that to their advantage, right? So here's what I say, and I can send you guys this podcast um, on my own podcast if you want to link it in the show notes, if anyone wants to go listen to this afterwards. But it's really important that when you go into this time of year, you're just aware of not allowing yourself to fall into that end of year consumer kind of like screw it mindset. And I know this probably sounds really foreign to a lot of people, but like, it absolutely is possible to not completely derail yourself financially this time of year. And it absolutely is possible to go into 2024 on a solid financial footing, but it just takes some forethought and it just takes planning. And I always say that like, when you're evaluating this time of year, I think the most obvious thing that most people think about is gifts, right? Like, okay, well, what do I what do I need to spend on gifts? How 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 much money am I gonna need to spend on gifts? But really, I, I want you thinking broader and wider than that. It's like, are you gonna need to buy any food for Thanksgiving dinner, for Christmas dinner? Are you sending out Christmas cards? Do you need postage? Do you need gift wrapping? Do you need decor for your house? Um, are you taking family photos? Like do you want to buy a new outfit to wear to your company's Christmas party? Like there's just so many things this time of year that when we're like, Oh, it's just gifts, right? Like I just need to put money away for gifts. It's like, well, then there's this, and then there's this, and then there's this, and then there's this, there's all these things that you forgot about, which then once they start to pile up, that's when you start to get in the screw up mindset of like, okay, well, just this is too much. Too much has gone wrong. Like just screw it. I'm going to wait and kind of like, again, like deal with this, deal with this next year. So my biggest tip to you is like, take 30 minutes and I want you to sit down. And what I do, like the most helpful thing is pull up your bank statements or your credit card statements, wherever you really spend your money from last year, last holiday season, and go through it and evaluate like, what are all the things that I spent money on related to the holidays that I probably forgot about? Again, it's like the little things like, do I need, postage to like send gifts to my family that live like on the other side of the country. That's like $50, right. That I have to do every year. Um, you know, like stocking stuffers, just like little tiny things that you're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then kind of make a list of that and really get a comprehensive list of like, this is all the money that I'm going to need and all the money that I'm going to need to spend. But then also too, it's like, once you have that evaluating, like, is this feasible for me this year? Is this doable? Like, am I somebody who always goes to debt, goes into debt during the holidays? And I just want to encourage those of you that like, that doesn't have to happen every single year. Like if you total it all up and you're like, I mean, normally on Christmas, you know, every holiday season, I spend $2,000 just making this up, but you don't have $2,000 and you know that that's not doable. And you know that that $2,000 is going to go on a credit card again. It's completely okay just to simplify things this holiday season. Cause I always say simple beats debt every day, right? Like it's okay to do things simple. It's okay to not do things like super extravagantly. It's just like going in with a plan and evaluating what can I afford and what can I fit into that? And then I mean, of course, it's it's a lot easier said than done. Obviously, I know and I I understand that. But again, like come the new year, you're going to feel so much better when you're not having all of your Christmas stuff sitting on a credit card, racking up interest.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. I also would yeah. argue that like your loved ones probably would rather receive like a heartfelt homemade gift or something small and thoughtful rather than knowing that you went into. A bunch of debt to buy them some expensive crap that they probably don't really need. <laughs> Home goods totally baskets great. that are like just crap chocolate and like gross mugs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like stuff that's just going to collect dust. No.
0: I'm telling you, like last year, I legitimately told my mom because, um, like my own mom, she's like in my program, right? I'm like, mom, you need to join overcoming. <laughs> she like, she's, she always spends way too much during the holiday season, but yeah, it's the same thing. She like goes to Marshall's or like TJ Maxx and she go, you know, like the aisle, like when you're checking out and mm-hmm. she'll just grab grab like random crap, like a lotion and a little eyeliner and a little, and a little nail you polish. Know. Like, yeah, just like, and just like to throw them in our stockings And I I literally told her last year, I'm like, mom, you have to stop buying us this stuff. Cause like I have three, I have two sisters. I'm one of three. And like, I talked to my sisters. I'm like, do you guys keep any of this? They're like, no, like just throw it away. Cause it's junk. I'm like, I know. So we like ended up telling my mom, like, mom, we'd rather just have you like save your money than buying us all this like knickknacky crap that like, we don't really want or need just so we have something in our stockings. It's like, Mm -hmm. no. So I'm totally with you on that.
1: I know. I feel like that's so easy to just like the stockings you're like oh it's just like something small like last year me and my husband were like we're just gonna do stockings no gifts because we had like just bought a house and whatever and then the stocking was so expensive so i was like well (laughs) i need to like make sure that it's filled and like it has to be good like dumb 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 but um okay how would you besides just telling us to spend like less time on social media but like i feel like every influencer makes it seem like it's totally normal to get massive Amazon hauls and, you know, a so-and-so haul and to buy completely new Christmas decorations and have a different theme every year. Like everything is so aesthetic and perfect. So it's really easy to think that like, oh, that's normal, I should be doing that too. How do we not do that?
0: Yeah. very loaded question. Right. And of of course, again, this is like going to be one of those things where I'm just going to say this in the beginning, much easier said than done. Um, But here's kind of uh, how I've kind of navigated that for myself too, because of course it's like, I struggle with this, right? It's like, I see people on social media and I'm like, oh, well, I think my life needs to look like that. And I think like for me, just kind of knowing and having awareness over like what my brain is actually doing helps me a lot just to kind of like cool it down and bring it back into perspective. So I'll share a couple of those things with you. So The first and foremost, the thing that you have to understand about what your brain is doing, like when you get onto social media and let's say you see your favorite influencer and they just decorated their house for Christmas, or they just posted like a day in the life video, right? That video is going to be probably like two to three minutes long, right? And of course, in that video, they're only going to show you like the best, most curated, like shiniest, happiest parts of their day our brains do something that's called projection, which is like where it takes like a little snippet and it projects it. Right. And so this isn't something that's like consciously happening, but what your brain is doing is it's like taking that tiny little snippet and it's projecting and saying like, well, this is their entire life. This is their whole day. This is their entire life. They must be happy all the time. They must feel so successful. So put together, so aesthetic all the time. And then of course what happens is we take that and then we compare it to our own lives where- that's not the reality. Like for any of us where we're like, well, I don't feel like that all the time. I don't feel happy all the time or successful all the time or motivated or organized or productive all the time. So I I think when you find yourself in that mindset, in that comparison, remind yourself what your brain is doing. Like I literally have to tell my brain, my, my, my brain is projecting right now. My brain is trying to convince me that This person's life is perfect. And I think the association that all of us very quickly make now in today's day and age, just with consumer culture that we live in, is we are so quick to associate how someone appears to feel is based off of what they have. Like we, we make that association very, very quickly. So we say like, well, someone is happy because they have the perfect kitchen. Someone feels confident because they have the perfect wardrobe. Someone feels beautiful because they have this amazing skincare and makeup routine, right? Like we take those two things, like how does someone feel? And we attach it to what they have. And this is just the underlying message of consumer culture, like consumer culture that we live our lives in. Is basically like one of the foundational principles is products can fill a void for you. They can make you feel a certain way. They can deliver an emotional experience to you that you currently don't have and you were unable to have until you get the product. And again, these are things that I call money thought errors. And they're essentially ways that you think about money the way that you think about spending money and buying things and like what it will ultimately do for you that we think will happen, but never actually happens. Like we Mm -hmm. think it's the truth, but it's not actually the truth of like a lived experience of how it actually ends up turning out. Right. Mm -hmm. So that like, just an example of that is, um, products can like fix my life. Right. Like I, I hear this a lot from it the women literally my, like, changed community. my life. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, just, it, it just it. Yeah. It's like, it changed my life. Like, um, you know, but it's like a, a, a product, like, yes, like some, some products actually do like provide a lot of value to you and you do get a lot of value and a lot of use out of them and they do provide a benefit to you, but like a product doesn't actually have the ability to like change your life. Right. And so, I know this is probably like a deeper answer than what you were looking for, but like truly, if you are going to get to a point where you can get on social media and you can see your favorite influencers sharing their lives and not feel that jealousy, like not feel that pull to like want to buy everything that they want to buy, it really does require you kind of doing like deeper kind of work. And I think like part of that is understanding what's happening in your brain. My brain is projecting. My brain wants to try to convince me that if I want to feel the way that this person feels, I need to go create a carbon copy of their life. Like I need to go to their Amazon storefront and buy everything. But this person isn't happy all the time. They live like what I call a 50-50 life, just how I live a 50-50 life. They're just not showing it to me. I'm just not seeing that part because that's not what sells things to people. Right. And also to recognizing that, like, really what I'm after here is a feeling. That's what I'm after. I am after a feeling. If I want to go and buy these pretty cute, clear organizational bins, It's not because I want to be more organized. It's because I want to feel more organized. Mm -hmm. Or like if I'm going to go and buy this face serum, it's not because I want my skin to be more glowy and dewy. It's because I want to feel more beautiful and more desirable. So when you remember all I'm after here is a feeling, and then I always ask myself the question, okay, if I'm after a feeling, is it possible that I can just create that feeling with what I already have? And the answer is always yes, right? Like there's always a way to create ultimately what you're truly after with what you already have. So it goes a lot deeper than that. And I just want to say too, like one thing, like a common question that I get is like, well, how do I stop comparing? Which I feel like is really huge on social media. And I just want to say that like, it's pretty much impossible not to compare. Like our brains are biologically wired to compare. So your brain is going to do it. So don't judge your brain for comparing. Don't be like, oh, here I go. I'm comparing again and make it mean something bad or make it mean something wrong. Your brain is literally just doing what human brains do and what they've been wired and designed to do. But I think the question becomes, how can I compare in a constructive way versus a destructive way? Like if my brain's going to do this, how can I actually take it and work it to my advantage rather than my disadvantage?
1: Right.
2: This is blowing my mind. I feel like I'm <laughs> in a therapy session right now. And I-, <laughs> I have so many questions and I'm writing down yeah, all of the books that I'm obsessed with. Um, but I completely agree. And I'm coming to this realization this year. It's really just like coming full circle and it keeps coming up for me. Is this kind of like the psychology you're talking about behind consumerism? Um, and me and Amanda have spoken a lot about how We're both trying to have a little bit more minimalist life, like we're trying to get rid of stuff, clothes, just random things that are just feeling overwhelming. Um, and I guess one point that I'm thinking about is like a lot of the times what you see on the external is what you feel on the internal, which I think is what you're really saying here. Um, but I wanted to ask you a question about in the beginning, when you were talking about your bio, you were saying, you know, you were going out, you were shopping and looking for like those dopamine hits, um, happy hits, things like that. And I think you, we were just talking a little bit about that of we're looking for a feeling instead of, um, instead of the thing, you know? And so I guess my question to you is what are some things that you do that bring joy to your day that like you used to go shopping instead of that? What are some things you do now that are just simple, easy,
0: free that we all have access to? Mm, That's a great question. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like this answer is like, I'll, I'll absolutely tell you mine. And while I'm telling you mine, I think this is a really good opportunity to tell everyone listening, like this is really crucial to kind of think about this from your own lens and really give some thought to this, because I do want to say, we don't think about it often this way about getting dopamine from other sources that isn't a source of consumption like that's how we get a lot of our dopamine is through like consuming food consuming alcohol consuming social media consuming stuff through shopping and one big concept that i teach is like consumption like shifting out of consumption and into creation to get your dopamine and again this this is going to be different for every single person just based off of kind of like what you enjoy and what you like. Okay. So for me, a couple of things are like, I love to walk. So like going outside and walking and listening to a podcast. Um, I get a lot of dopamine from learning new things. Like you can get a ton of dopamine from like learning a new skill, like reading a book about a topic that you've never learned about listening to a podcast about a topic that you don't know much about learning a new skill gives you a ton of dopamine, learning a new language, just like learning, learning, anything, learning, any new skill, learning how to knit, how to crochet, how to paint, how to like anything, just like pick something where you're like, I've always thought that I would like that, but I've never actually like tried it. Like that could kind of be the thing for you. But I, I, I do want to say this too, because I also understand that when you're at the point that I was at, when you're like in the throes of shopping, somebody telling you to just go take a walk and listen to a podcast, you're like, come on. (laughs) Right. So one big thing, like, I want you to kind of like, Work your way through these sources of dopamine. Now, like, I'm at a point where I get my dopamine from a lot of other places other than shopping. When I was first making this shift out of getting dopamine from shopping, one thing that I always like to do, or one question, and this is what I teach the women in my community, is how can we still give you a hit of dopamine without you spending any money? Like, that's kind of like the big question when you're kind of coming out of this right out of the gate. So, a couple of Tools that I really love. The first tool that I'm really, really big on, and anyone can start this like right now, is having something that I call a things I want to buy list. So whenever, and I keep mine in Notion. Notion is kind of like a, it's kind of like a website organizational pro like uh, pro, productivity tool. Um, but I do encourage you to have this outside of just like. An Amazon wish list. Like sometimes I say this and people are like, oh, like an Amazon wish list. But I'm like, have it outside of just like one specific website, like where anything that you want can go onto this list. Whether it's you see a social media ad for something, an influencer shares something, you're in Target and you just walk by something and you see something that looks appealing to you. Either take a screenshot of it if it's on your phone, take a picture of it if it's in person. I have an album on my phone that's called Things I Want to Buy all the pictures go into that album. And then when I get back and sit down at my computer, I usually do this like once or twice a week. I'll pull up my things I want to buy list. And I will add those items to my things I want to buy list. And the reason I'm sharing this, like kind of in relation to the dopamine conversation is because dopamine is actually like scientists call it the anticipation molecule, which means it's You get the strongest hits of it and the strongest releases of it when you're in anticipation of a pleasurable event. And a lot of my clients will say to me, like, it's actually more pleasurable to me to like anticipate getting to buy something that feels better to me than actually getting to buy it. And again, that's because you're like in the anticipation of it. Like, that's why, kind of going back to our Christmas conversation, like, for so many people, I know I feel this way. It's like Christmas Eve day feels better than Christmas day, because it's like, you're in that like anticipation of it. And like, there have been studies that show that like people actually get more pleasure from the period of time before a vacation than they actually do from the vacation itself. Mm -hmm. Cause you're in that anticipation of it. So it's like taking those principles of saying, how can I kind of like relish, so to speak in the anticipation of these things that I want to buy. And so when you see something and you're able to take it and add it to that things I want to buy list, that in and of itself will give you a hit of dopamine. You can start a, pin, uh, a Pinterest board is another popular one, and then another concept I teach is something called an urge jar, which like I keep my urge jar at my desk, but oh my it's like those are little like dollar bills, <laughs> but it's just like two containers. That's so and, cute. <laughs> yeah, and anytime you feel an urge to to buy something, right? And again, it could it could be anything. It could be an ad that you see or an email that you get or like whatever you kind of like sit with that urge. And then once you've sat with the urge for a couple of minutes and you kind of like breathe through it, you like take one trinket from one and you move it into the other. And that it sounds simple, but the human brain likes accumulation and it likes to see progress being made. So it likes to see like, them moving from here, this one to moving to this one, right? Like it likes to see that and it likes to have that progress. And then I always log what I would have bought and how much I would have spent. And Mm. so it's almost kind of like gamifying Mm. saving. It's like gamifying, not spending money. So I think to your point, Caitlin, it's like, you can absolutely get to a point where you are doing things to get your sources of dopamine other than shopping but I always like to present these options too, because again, I understand how frustrating it can be for somebody who's like in the throes of it to just be like, Oh, well just, just go paint, just go knit, just go, just go take a walk. You know what I mean? It's like, what? Like, yeah. no. So then it's like, it's like coming back to, okay, well, you're, if if this is a behavior that you're going to be changing, you are going to be feeling strong urges to go shop and strong urges to go spend that money. So how can we give you dopamine from that? Like if you're going to be experiencing it, how can we gamify that and give you dopamine from that?
2: Beautiful. I love that. Yeah.
1: I love that so much. I feel like it also makes sense that it feels like more of a, a reward when you actually do buy something from that list It's like being a little kid collecting your allowance and that like pride that you felt when you saved enough to buy like for me it was buying a tv to have in my bedroom and it was like Mm -hmm. the biggest deal in the world but like i don't feel a rush like that anymore because i'm just yeah you know hitting up those instagram ads till the cows come home
0: yeah it's so it's so true and like i'll say this with how easy shopping has become most most of us like just with credit cards, how easy shopping has become. And now I will say this with these buy now pay later services, like after paying Klarna and like, you know, like paying for buy now or whatever, right? Everything that you see sends the message of instant gratification. Like get what you want when you want it right now. Like there's no need to wait. There's no, there's no reason to save. You slap it on a credit card or you can get it now and give us, just pay us every month for four months until it's until it's paid off. And to your point, like I think the buy now pay later services are marketed as like, oh, we love you and we're here for you and we're doing you this huge favor because like you can get what you want. now. And like, you don't have to wait. But from what I've found with like helping so many women in my community kind of like get out of this, like buy now, pay later mess that they've created for themselves because it starts off as one. And it's like, oh, well, that's not much. It's just $10 a month. It's just $20 a month. But then you do that 10 times, 15 times. And you go into every single month with a car payment of that you're giving to after pay every single month. Right. Mm-hmm. But the tricky part about that is like you, like what you were saying, Amanda, there's no anticipation to that. Like you get the hit of dopamine and then it's done. Like you buy the shoes and it's like, great. You got the shoes, but you bought them impulsively. Now you have the shoes, the allure wears off in like a week, but yet four months later, you're still paying for the shoes. So it's like every single time that money gets taken out of your bank account, you're like, uh, uh. Like right. these shoes that I don't even really like, Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't even like want these anymore. And like four months later, like I'm still paying for this. And so what I say is like flip-flop it, do it backwards, like save up the money. And then, and then you have the money, you're not going into debt and you're giving yourself time to relish in the anticipation of it and really decide, do I really want this? Mm-hmm. Cause that's the other thing. Like half the things that go on my things I want to buy list. I don't, actually end up buying. Cause once I revisit it, I'm like, nah, I just got a little excited about that. Like my brain just got a little hyper about that. Like, I don't, I don't think I really, (laughs) really want that. Like versus when you do the buy now pay later, you're just like, boom, 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 buy it, buy it, buy it. There's no time for your brain to cool off. So you're just buying a bunch of things that like seem great in the moment. Then you get them, the allure wears off. You're still paying for them four months later. Right. So, but yeah, it's just like that's the world that we live in. It's just that message of like, do what you want when you want it. There's no need to wait. But so a lot of us don't, but it's like, but there's so much pleasure to be had in the waiting and in the saving and in the anticipation. You just actually have to try it. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, just try it. Just try it one time. Try it one time with one thing and just see how it feels. See how it feels in comparison to the opposite.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Is that a tactic that you would suggest people use going into this like overconsumption and like urgent feeling kind of season of Black Friday deals and all of that. Like, I know you say like, just because it's on sale, doesn't make it a deal. Mm-hmm. How would you suggest people approaching that? Like, is it making a list of like, okay, I know that I want to invest in these couple of things and they're going to be on sale, so I'll get them on Black Friday, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll tell you what I do for Black Friday. Like I, I start planning for Black Friday, like not anything crazy, just kind of like in my head, mostly like months ahead, just thinking about like, what are the things that I'm going to want to wait to get on sale? And that's also why your things I want to buy list is really cool because you have like one place where you're like, here's all the things that I've been considering buying. And pretty much all of this is, you know, going to be on sale for black Friday, what do I want to buy? What do I want to take advantage of? Um, and so, yeah, like what I do is I start thinking about in my head, like what are some things that I want to buy as like gifts and also like for myself for black Friday, like I can tell you like for this black Friday, I'm going to buy myself a walking pad, like for my office, I've been holding off on that for months. And, you know, it's like holding off on it on months to make sure that it's something that I really, really want. It's like, I wanted it three months ago and I still want it now. So it's like, that's probably a good indication to me that this wasn't just something that my brain got super excited about and is going to fizzle out. Um, Like we're going to buy my daughter um, a new car seat because she's growing out of her infant car seat and we need a new car seat. So yeah, it's just like going in and making a list of these are all the things that, I'm going to be buying. And like, what I always say to you on black Friday, my motto is like, get in, get out, like get in, buy your shit and get out. Like, do not, do not ruminate. Like, do not go on Amazon and be like, Ooh, well I just, I wonder, I, I, you know, I wonder, I wonder what deals there are. I wonder what, no, like, wonder. No. <laughs> like just have your list. And, and, and even now like the deals have been announced, like you can even go out now it's November 14th. We're like two weeks out basically from black Friday. Um, Cyber Monday, whatever. But it's like you can even find the deals now. Like you can even start planning weeks ahead to say, like, this is what I'm going to buy. This is how much it costs. And again, it's kind of like what I was saying earlier. Just go in with a plan. You're gonna get 200 emails in the span of like two days. Just, I'm just like, just don't open them. Mm -hmm. You're 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 literally gonna get a black Friday or a cyber Monday email from any retailer that you're subscribed to just have your list to know, like, this is what I'm going to buy, get in, get out, do it, be done. Yeah. Can
2: I ask you, because we've said this a couple of times now is this, I'll I'll speak for myself. I definitely have an Amazon addiction and I think a lot of us do. And I really think it's, it's like a true thing. Like what you're saying, don't go on and peruse for a deal, you know, go, don't go looking for something. And I'm totally guilty of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So a very like simple question is, do you use Amazon yourself? And And further than that, how can we kind of control ourselves on those very easy websites?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I definitely use Amazon, right? Like I use Amazon. I'm a Prime member. Um, So, and I, I mean, there's a lot of things that I buy. I buy on Amazon, but I guess here's the thing about like Amazon and the sales, right? Here's my, here's my number one rule, especially with sales. If you see something is on sale, but you haven't at least been planning on buying that item for at least like three days or longer. It doesn't need to be something that you're buying simply because it's on sale. And this is something that I call sale spending, which is like when the sale or the deal or the promotion is the primary driver of you buying something. It's almost kind of like being in the mentality of like, oh, but it's just too good of a deal to pass up. And I mean, it sounds like you saw this video on my TikTok, but that's, that's what I was saying in that video. It's like what makes something a good deal isn't the price of something. It's not the deal or the discount. It's the discount in combination to the value that you're actually going to get out of something. Like how much are you actually going to use this thing? Because even if you buy something that's 50% off, let's say you save yourself a hundred bucks. It's like, great. You saved yourself a hundred bucks, but you still spend a hundred bucks. And now you have this item that you're really not going to use much or at all you simply just bought it because it was a good deal. So my thing is is like, really be aware of the sale spending. Right. And so my rule of thumb is like, if I haven't, if I haven't been considering buying this for at least a couple of days, it's a no, like it's just a no. And like, I really, and again, easier said than done, but it's like not letting yourself get sucked in from the deal, the discount or the promotion. And I always ask myself, I'm like, what is my brain more focused on right now? Is my brain more focused on what I'm saving or is my brain more focused on what I'm buying and what I'm having to spend? And depending on where my brain is taking me, that tells me everything I need to know right there. Like if my brain's like, oh, but, but you'll save so much. It's such a good deal. It's this off. It's that off. It's two for one. It's that, that, whatever. Like, that's how I know I'm like, okay, I'm in my, I call it like your sale brain, right? Mm-hmm. You're in your sale brain and your sale brain is a crazy, crazy, crazy brain. And so I'm always just like, where, where am I at right now? Sale brain or, or logical brain. But yeah, it's just like, I, I know it's tough. And like, even in the beginning, like you can use, there's a lot of tools that you can use. Um, I'll just give you a few that are kind of my favorite. One is an app called block site. block site is like an, you can have it on your phone as an app, or you can have it as a browser extension, but it's actually marketed as like a productivity tool, um, to kind of block you from like social media sites and stuff. Like when you're needing to focus and be productive, but you can also use it to block shopping sites. I mean, you, you, you can use it to block any site. So you could say block Amazon from this time to this time block Zara. Forever. Like, I mean, just whatever, like you pick the parameters of this, um, two other browser extensions that I really, really like that are free. One is a browser extension called pause and pause. Like literally when you go to a website, it just has you pause. It pulls up this like green screen before it takes you to the website. And it's just, it kind of gives you these like prompts to go through. It's like, take a couple deep breaths, like, you're about to go, like, just it's, it's called pause. Cause it's like, take a pause. Right. Um, that's something that I have on my computer. It can get a little annoying. Like when, like, for instance, like when you do, like when I'm going to Amazon to like order coffee pods, I'm like, I just need my coffee pods. Like I don't need I to, don't take, need a to take a deep breath, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but for other times, like it is helpful. Like when you do know, like, Oh yeah, like I'm, I'm definitely kind of going to do some shopping here. And then the other one is a browser extension that's called icebox. And what Icebox will do is it actually, it does this on Amazon really well too, but it replaces the buy now button with this blue button that's in the blue button says, put it on ice. And so in the past you would just click buy now and you buy whatever. And then, um, when you're using this browser extension, you click the button that says, put it on ice. And it essentially like puts it on ice for you, um, And it gives you what it what's what they call a cool off period and you get to decide what the cool off period is like is the cool off period a day three days 30 days, I mean, you get to decide that but you can essentially like put stuff on ice and then you can go into your browser extension and see everything that you've like put on ice. And again, that's just giving your brain kind of like time to cool off, take a pause. So there's a lot of like the mindset stuff too, but there's there's also just a lot of good, just like practical tools now. I mean, technology is a curse, but it's also a blessing. Like it's it's used against us, but there's also a lot of cool things out there that you can use to help you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: Are there any budgeting tools that you suggest people use? I know that's like such a larger conversation and we're coming up on time, but just any like one-off,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, and I'll say this, this is important too, because I don't know if y'all heard, but um, one of the really big popular budgeting apps, Mint,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is going away. They're for some reason Intuit, it's owned by Intuit and Intuit has just decided just to get rid of it. I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot of people use Mint. And so I think come like January of next year, it's no longer gonna be a thing. Um, I actually use and I have for years, I've used a budgeting tool called YNAB. Y N A B it stands for you need a budget. I'm a really big fan of it. Um, Like I said, I've used it for years, but I will say too, and I'll I'll, I've also done an episode on YNAB. I'll send that to you guys too. If you want to put it in the show notes where I kind of just like talk about the tool and the system and why I like it and the functionalities and all that sort of stuff. So if you want to go and listen to that episode and start there, but here's my biggest thing about budgeting tools or whatever Is like, I think that like a lot of us get caught in the mindset of thinking that there's like one right way to do it or one perfect way to do it. And from what I found, like from the women in my community, it really depends on the person. Some people are pen and paper people and there's a lot of really, really good, just like Instagram accounts, budget planners. Like the budget mom is a really, really good one. If you're more of a pen and paper person, like I have women in my community that have like her workbooks and they write out everything and they do the highlighters and they do the stickers and they do the envelopes and like they love it. Right. Absolutely love it. That's not me. Like I want software. I want efficiency. I want A machine to do the math for me. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be whipping out my calculator and having to do all that. So like I use my app. there's other people who use an Excel spreadsheet. So I will say like the most important thing is to find the thing that works the best for you. And it also might take you a couple of tries. That's what I also want to say too, is like, don't give up after trying one thing and being like, well, I'm just bad with money. This just didn't work for me. I can't do this. I can't figure this out. It's like, it's not that it's just that you just didn't find like the right thing for you yet. So keep trying because I've used YNAB for years, but before I found YNAB and was like, "Okay, this is it for me." I had probably tried four other budgeting softwares before that. I had tried Mint. I had tried Dave Ramsey's Every Dollar. I had tried um I think like Rocket Money, which is Quicken's, right? I had tried a lot and they were okay, but like, didn't knock my socks off. And then I tried YNAB and I was like, I love this. I love this. And I love it. I've I've referred like over a thousand people to YNAB. Half the people that I refer to YNAB come back to me and they're like, I hate this. And I'm like, and then half the people come back to me and are like, I'm obsessed. Right. So it, like, it really just, it really does depend. So it's like, just It might take you a couple of times. And I know that's frustrating and annoying because it's like you just want to get there. Like you just want to find the thing that's going to work. But also remember that like, once you do find the thing that works for you, you're there, you found it. You can stop looking like just find what works and then you can stick with it, but you might have to try a couple of things before you get there. But yeah, I use YNAB. So
1: and people can just come to you and have you fix their lives. So
0: perfect. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I and I will say too, like in my, in my program, in my membership, I do teach you kind of like my budgeting process, but the way that I teach, like what I used to do c- a couple of years ago was I used to teach YNAB, like budgeting in YNAB. So it was like, if you came to me and you learned how to budget, you were learning how to budget in YNAB. And again, what I found was like half the people were like, this is great. And then the other half of the people were like, I hate this. This just isn't clicking for my brain. And so then I was like, okay, I need to teach this in a way that's not like pigeonholing somebody to do it exactly how I do it. Because like what works for my brain isn't going to work for all brains. So now I just teach budgeting in terms of like principles, in terms of like these are the things that you're going to need. These are the things to think about. This is kind of like the structure of it, but you can take all of that and then just plug and play into whatever you want, into pen and paper, into an Excel spreadsheet, into YNAB, into another software. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, again, just find what works for you. You might have to try a couple things, but you'll get there. Okay. I feel like that's reassuring. It's not like- Do you-, do you Yeah. I was going to say, do you- it. Yeah. Do you guys use anything currently?
2: You know, what I've done is i bought a couple <laughs> Off of Etsy that are like pretty and yeah. then I'll go do them. And then mm-hmm. I'm like an hour into it and then the baby's crying and I'm like, do, 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 off to something else. You know, like it takes a lot of time, yeah. at least for yeah. me. Um, and I'm just not consistent enough with it, I would say.
0: Yeah. So I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Um, cause I think this is kind of like the perfect, the perfect kind of thing to, to wrap up on is like, I think what you said is that's the biggest thing that holds people up, Caitlin, is like people saying this is going to take a ton of time. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, I always like to do be like I always like to be honest with people because I'm like, look, in the beginning, when you are setting up a budget fresh from scratch, it does take time. Right. And like what I always say is it's like it's kind of like setting up a system like what you're you're doing is you're coming in and you're like building just kind of like a house, right? It's like, you're building a system, you're building a house and that takes work and it takes time. Once your house is built, it's just maintenance after that. So I always like to set expectations because I'm like in the beginning, like if you're again, this is our brains projecting, right? It's like our brains looking at all the effort and energy that's involved in the very beginning and thinking like, it's going to be like this forever. Like this is what budgeting is. It's this hard forever. It takes this much time forever when really a lot of the time, effort, and energy is concentrated in the beginning. And then once you can get it set up, get comfortable with it and get it rolling, it, it, there's a huge drop off after that. in like the amount of maintenance that it takes, like I spend 60 seconds a day inside my budget in YNAB. Like I literally go in, I categorize my transactions from the day before. Cause everything's like linked into my accounts, pulls it all through. I just link, or I just categorize my transactions. It's maybe like 10 minutes on payday like when when we get paid and i have to go and i have to allocate that money in minutes but i always say that like i spend about an hour a month managing my money like 60 like average 1 to 2 minutes a day on payday maybe 10 to 15 minutes that comes down to less than an hour a month so also just just know that like if it seems like a lot in the beginning it's because it kind of is but it won't be like that forever
2: okay
1: that's a great excuse to not be spending much of money every single day because it's going to take you more time to file <laughs> yeah. those transactions away. I know,
0: I'm telling you, sometimes <laughs> I just don't want to spend something because I'm like, I don't want to have to go through the issue of, well, and like my mine's linked, right? So like mine like pulls it through automatically. Yeah. But I also know that like some people, because you can do it either way, you can link it automatically or you can do it manually. And a lot of people are like, I purposefully do it manually because it stops me from saving so much money. Because like when I go to spend money, I'm like, I don't want to have to go through the issue of like logging this so mm-hmm. they just don't spend the money I'm like oh that makes sense yeah so 100%. oh this was amazing I feel like we
1: could just talk your ear off and ask you like 10 million more questions so maybe look out for a part two
0: yeah and- I would love to come back I mean I feel like it's so funny this hour flew by and I feel like we just scratched the surface but yeah, yeah it's, happy to such a layered
1: topic for sure it is. Um, but hype yourself up. Where can everybody find
0: you? Do you have any things coming up that you want to promote? Let the people know. Yeah. Um. So the best places to find me on social media, um, Instagram and TikTok. My handles are at Overcoming Overspending at Overcoming underscore Overspending. I always forget the underscore. Um those are the places that I'm the most active. I also have a podcast of my own. So if you're here, you're obviously a podcast person. If you are looking for a good money podcast, you can start listening to mine. It's called the Money Love Podcast. And like I said, I have a membership that's called Overcoming Overspending. So you come in, you pay monthly, you can stay as long as you want or as short as you want. You can come in for a month and just kind of see how you like it. But when you join Overcoming Overspending, you get my entire process which is a three-phase process. So we talk about mindset in phase 1, emotions in phase 2, and then we do all kind of like the nitty-gritty tactical stuff in phase 3. But then you also get live coaching with me every single month. We have like 10 to 12 calls every single month. So we're meeting like two to three times a week. Um so if this is an area that you're really really struggling with, like it's a community that's one of a kind. There's nothing else out there like it where it's people trying to be better with money that are natural spenders, right? Struggling with their spending habits. Most of the women in my community are in debt. I would say 90% of them are in some form of revolving credit card debt, personal loan debt. Um, So if you're looking to pay off debt, it's a great community to come where you can do that, like shame-free, judgment-free. You'll be in a community with other women who are all trying to do the same. So you can find that at overcomingoverspending.com. I love that. And we'll link to it all. So yeah. yeah. And I will send you those two podcast episodes too. The one about the holiday shopping and the one about Wineab. So that will just take you straight there. So you don't have to dig for them.
1: Perfect. We'll throw them in the show notes.
2: Thank you so much. I got work to do. I got to go girls. (laughs) (laughs) Need to go
1: sign up for Wineab. I know. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I love it. Thanks so much.
1: Have a great day. Bye. Bye.